Welcome to the Cloud Architects Podcast, a podcast about cloud, technology, and the people using it. The Cloud Architects Podcast is sponsored by Kemp Technologies. Choose Kemp to optimize your multi-cloud application deployments and simplify multi-cloud application management. A single pane of glass for application delivery, Kemp provides a 360-degree view of your entire application environment and even third-party ADCs. Download Kemp 360 for free today at kemptechnologies.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to day four of Ignite. It has been an incredible week. We have seen and done so much stuff. I'm sitting here with Mr. Nicholas Blank. Hello, good Mr. morning. Mr. Kuskusen. Hello. And the man that owns Exchange Transport. And for those who can't see, <laughs> I am bowing. Who would that be exactly? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kevin Shaughnessy. Yes. Could you tell us more about yourself? Absolutely. You so uh, I'm Kevin Shaughnessy. I'm a program manager on the Exchange Transport team. I've been on the team pretty much since we started moving to the cloud. Uh, what, geez, I guess it depends, uh, six to nine years ago, depending on where you decide to start that whole thing. Um, yeah, and I've been at Microsoft uh, way longer than I like to admit, uh, because you know my youthful demeanor would you know suggest otherwise. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I started in Microsoft in 1991. I was a uh, uh, I actually got started in the support organization for Word for Windows, and wow. before I before that, you know, pretty much out of college. Uh, I just want to say, hey, if anyone's a liberal arts major listening to this, do not believe the lies when people tell you you can't get a, a good paying career uh, with a liberal <laughs> arts degree. Philosophy degree here. However, I will say uh, it does help to know uh, a recruiter at Microsoft or have gone to school with them. So make sure that you do that as part of your curriculum <laughs> when, you, when you go to school. Uh, so yeah, in 91, a lot of things were popping at Microsoft. And uh, right before that, I was a broke post you know, graduate college, stu college student. Uh, I was actually delivering uh, pizzas in downtown Seattle. Uh, <laughs> you know, right before I got basically the call to come work at Microsoft, a good friend of mine, uh, she said, why don't you come to Microsoft? What are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I'm going to be a musician at Seattle, man. That's what we all do, right? So she's like, no, no, come to Microsoft. So I'm like, okay. So called up uh, the recruiter that I knew and said, hey, just get me an interview. And uh, she's like, great, come on in. And I did the interview and took it from there and got hired. And it was it was a great time to be at Microsoft. Uh, it was a ton of fun. Um, and uh, yeah, from there, moved on into uh, product marketing uh, for Office. The marketing guy said, hey, we really like what you do. Uh, we work with you a lot on the technical stuff. Um, you know, come work for us. And so I did. And I was involved with uh, the whole move in the internet. You know, uh, front page was like a big thing back front then. Page. Remember front page, right? The I'm democratization I'm of web. I'm about that. Yeah. I loved front page. Yeah, it was just, yeah. Now it's like, I even think about like, geez, how am I going to build a web page? I can't even use Notepad now. Yeah. I've actually got to go build it. And yeah. <laughs> like, whatever. I don't even know now. It's like crazy, right? But that was a ton of fun, being part of that. And then, um, yeah, then I, I, I left in 99 and uh, took some time off. Uh, came back in 2004. Got involved with speech recognition, uh, which was really cool. And that was... Um, 
uh, we had we were kind of trying to deliver a speech server, a speech recognition server, where you would do basically everything that we're doing now with Siri or with uh, you know Cortana and everything. It was all of that. In fact, all the technology that we were working on at the time uh, is in Cortana now. Uh, but we were a little ahead of our time because each year was the year of speech, but yet it wasn't right. Yeah. So it took uh, you know decades to get to where we're at. But the cool thing about that experience was uh, that's where I got to uh, demo on stage with Bill Gates about three different times because uh, he loved speech and so it was kind of like a pet project for him and I remember the first uh, time when we went in to uh, demonstrate this for him and I was I had the speech server on the back end you know and I'm remoting in making sure everything is like working all the wheels are turning and everything and like right before I'm supposed to do this with Bill we're in the room there's like four other people other demoers and stuff I uh, it freezes. Oh. No. It freezes. Oh. And and my manager sitting next to me is like, uh oh, everything okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm fine. I just need to reboot the server. <laughs> Literally, I had to reboot the server. Right? I mean, it was it was brilliantly iconic. And uh, you know, and Bill's like, okay, speech guy, go. And I'm like. Would, could we have him just go? <laughs> I got just a few more things to take <laughs> care of, right? And so I'm like, uh, but I'm so focused. I'm so focused. I'm going to get this thing working, right? Get it up. He comes back. Uh, you know, they finish up their bit, comes back, and, you know, I demo it. And it works brilliantly. And he's like, here, let me try that, you know? And this was all the telephony-based stuff right at oh the yeah. time. And so he's, like, dialing in, and he's, like, talking to it. And he's, like, you know, a little smile on his face. And then we're done. And my manager later on, he's like, you're pretty nervous. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, you had sweat like <laughs> ripping. I'm like, I didn't really even notice it, right? But it was great. <laughs> and after that, got on stage with Bill about three different times for all kinds of summits and stuff. And it all worked marvelously. And that was a real highlight. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, uh, I mean, it's, you know, I, not a lot of folks get to say that. Uh, and, uh, well, okay, yeah. A lot of folks get to say that they <laughs> demoed with Bill. But still, it was kind of fun and cool. So, yeah. That's and then, awesome. uh, then later on, I moved over into uh, security. I did analyst relations for a while because of the liberal arts major. Oh, everything's a little bit interesting. Let me look at this. Let me look at that. Oh, that's fun. So after product management, uh, I moved over into analyst relations, worked with Gartner and Forrester and those guys uh, uh, talking about you know all the great things that we're doing in security. Real strong push in security at that time, and and then uh, shortly after that, uh, you know I, I worked a lot with uh, what is now the EOP team or the information protection team in, in analyst relations. And then from that experience, you know I talked to uh, one of my buddies uh, who was the director of program management at the time in the group, uh, Brett Tanzer, and I was like, you know, Brett you know, I think it's time for me to move to program management. He's like, great, come on board. And uh, yeah, so I moved over into program management and got on the exchange transport team and have been there ever since. Wow. So yeah, it's been fun. Wow. And fun. you know, what's fascinating about that is when you say transport, exchange transport, I think that means different things to different folks, right? So sure. for those of us who have been working with exchange for, for, for a minute, uh, we think about transport pipelines and just this crazy complex thing. But then for the people who are, have come into the industry in the last maybe seven or so, seven to nine years, I guess, you know, as you said, depending on how you slice it, transport is a little more hands-off for them, right? Because it just works. Yes. But just because it is behind the scenes, you know, the plumbing, if you will, of, of the service and just works, it doesn't mean that there's not innovation happening. Um, you know what I mean? And so um, very curious to hear from you 
uh, about some of the, the, the cool things that you guys have been sharing this week um, as yeah. far as you know, improvements, features, that kind of thing? Yeah, well, we've got a, a session later this afternoon at 3.15, uh, Office 365 email enhancements that'll help make your organization safe, smart, and secure. And uh, uh, th That uh, is such an obtuse title. You, I you, <laughs> you, when, when you see a title like that, you know that something's going to be announced that you can't put into the descriptions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we got a number of things. We've actually got about seven different features that we're going to be talking about. Uh, got a number of enhancements for end users. Uh, some pretty cool things I think that, that people are going to be a little surprised about uh, coming from the transport team. Because, you know, to your point, when people think transport, they think the pipeline. And mm. absolutely, we are the plumbing. We make mail move from mm. one place to the next place. And both, you know, internally within the Office 365 data centers, and externally, you know, sending mail out and whatnot. So there's a lot of innovation that we've been doing in the cloud from the pipeline perspective in terms of improving, you know, the performance and improving, uh, you know, simplifying how we route the messages from one place to the next and, uh, you know, how we attribute things, uh, et cetera. And of course, you know, because we've got this pipeline, we're also being able to be sort of a signal bus for a lot of other applications as well. So we are also transmitting um, you know, these different signals, say, from Outlook calendaring to, you know, the different folks to cache the, the calendar of the people that you work closely with to cache their calendars, so that kind of snaps up, you know, comes up really quickly and things. And we're handling all of that, too. Uh, but we're also actually doing things that are, we're exposing to end users and to administrators. A couple years ago here at Ignite, we introduced uh, what we call Mailflow Insights. And these are in the Security and Compliance Center. Uh, uh, we've got a Mailflow dashboard, and you can go in and you can see these insights, which basically kind of you know tell you about what's going on with your Mailflow, and takes maybe some different signals from different things, such as uh, let me give you an example. So you know we can detect when your MX record has changed, and we can detect when Mailflow to a particular domain has changed, the volume of it has changed, right? And we can now take those two signals and say, hey look, it looks like you made a change to your MX record, and at the same time, did you happen to note that, you know, mail flow to that domain for the MX record that you changed has dropped? Probably something misconfigured. Mm. You know, you need to go take a look. Here's what it should look like. Here's the pattern for it. You know, uh, you know, we can either you know help you do that, or you know, uh, here are the instructions to go do that. In some cases, we just have a button, fix it now, type of thing, right? And so those are insights that we're able to provide and and, and bring up, uh, you know, up the stack beyond just the the plumbing. But we can do it by virtue of the plumbing that we're doing, right? Because every time we're introducing something at that level, usually there's some plumbing bits that we've got to work on and mm. change and maybe you know, add some new properties to the message tracking log or whatever you know, to, to, to bring those to the fore. So that's the type of thing that we kind of are doing on a constant basis. But one of the other things that we've been, been doing as well is a lot of times new features, it's all about the shiny object. What's new in 2020, you know, that type of thing. Um, but there are so many different things where there are some annoying things that maybe Exchange and Outlook have been doing over the last, you know, whatever, 20 years or something, where it's like, yeah, it's not perfect, but it's okay. But gee, wouldn't it be great if it was actually better? Wouldn't it be great if Microsoft did something about it? Well, we kind of have this philosophy of like, you know, there's a whole number of different things that we can improve on to make these things better. And we can do it now because the cloud empowers us to create some of these possibilities and build new features. Let me give you an example of one that we're going to talk about later today. 
the canonical message recall feature in Outlook. You all know it. You all you know pray to the gods when you use it <laughs> that it's actually going to work to a certain degree, right? It's never worked for me. Right. <laughs> 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 well, yeah. well, we you know we have statistics that suggest that there is a success rate of about forty percent, but that's How not many of them use super high. <laughs> well, okay, there you go. See, and that's the point, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it's very limited. It's got to be Outlook Windows, you know, or Outlook uh, Desktop on Windows, and it's got to be uh, you know the the uh, sender, the recaller. They have to trigger it from Outlook, and the recipient also has to be running Outlook because it's on Windows because it's client based. Mm -hmm. Well, now because of the cloud, we're able to because we're the transport pipeline, and we can mess with whatever mail we want to. We can take and we can intercept that message recall message, and we can now act on the mailboxes in the cloud directly, and we can remove that message that's in the cloud mailbox so that no matter what client you have, then when it syncs up, it doesn't have to be Outlook. Doesn't, it can be a down-level, well, we call it a down-level client like Thunderbird. It can be Outlook Mobile. Whatever client now syncs, it's gone, right? So just by virtue of that, we basically, our stats have shown that it's like, yeah, there's like a 100% increase. Uh, uh, of, uh, what's the logic rate. look like behind that? Because the first thing I think about is, is there a time limit, right? So can I send a message and then recall the message six hours later? Yeah, right? yeah, you so, can, sure. So, but then, like, what happens if somebody wants to keep the message? So what happens if I, I send it to someone and then that's a mail that, like, was really harsh and he now wants to report me to my HR guy <laughs> and then I go and I recall the message and it's gone? Yeah, if he's read it, to know that you, he should report you to HR, yeah. we do not recall it and we will not recall it. Ah, yeah. so it can About only be recalled if it's unread. It cannot be recalled if it's unread. But that's the case that it is today, and it's been that way since 1997 when Outlook first introduced the feature. And about a day's worth of uh, uh, sitting in a dark room with our legal team has convinced me, okay, we will not touch that. We yeah. swear we'll leave that alone. Uh, if people have read the message, they consider that that the ownership of the message at changed. that point has changed. Yes. Now, okay. I am going to go back, actually, because I've had some conversations with some folks uh, around how does GDPR, you know, the, the uh, okay. European standard for data protection and, and, and data rights. How does that change kind of that concept of ownership? Uh, and so there's some interesting discussions about that because while philosophically I might agree and say, yeah, that kind of makes sense, there might be a case to be made that, you know, at a future time maybe we'll maybe there'll be a recall of something like that as well. No promises, but we are looking to see, okay, now that we've delivered, you know, a double the success rate just by the fact that um, all clients syncing mm. will be able to, uh, it'll be recalled for, what other incremental improvements can we make for the other reasons that it might not be recalled? And there are a few. There's an article up there and we'll be, uh, that has been out there for a while that talks about the different reasons, and we're eliminating some of those right now with this, but again, it's transport, we're in the cloud, we have that intelligence and that capability now to do that uh, because we control that entire environment. So that's a benefit. And mm -hmm. we're taking a number of different things that have been kind of n you know, niggly issues over the years and we're introducing um, you know, enhancements or improvements or you know, just fixing those things. Uh, and so, yeah, so we're excited about that, but we're also then extending some of the capabilities that we have um, you know, in terms of the administrative 
details and, and how a, uh, an Exchange admin works with our system to give them more knobs and dials because moving to the cloud, it can be kind of a scary thing. I sometimes refer to the five stages of grief, <laughs> right? The five stages of cloud grief. It's like, I've got to move to the cloud. No way, it won't work. You know, the first stage is <laughs> denial, right? And then you move through anger and depression and loss of like meaning. What am I going to do? I don't know this stuff anymore, you know? I can't see the blinky lights. Oh no, exactly, <laughs> right? Exactly, yeah. you know? And that's a legitimate concern. And absolutely, especially earlier on, we didn't offer them a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, last, like I said, the last couple years, we started to offer more knobs and dials, if you will, and more insights, more reporting and things. And I talk about how we're going to continue down that path, because it is a journey. And so we're expanding those capabilities and giving them more knobs and dials as well for the administrator, so. Yeah, that's just kind of it at a, at a high level. I don't want to, you know, give away the whole thing. I want you to come to the if you're here at Ignite, come to the come to the session, or <coughs> you know, uh, go check out the session uh, video. Do later you on. have the uh, session code to hand? Uh, yeah, I think it's like BRK thirty three twelve. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll cool. confirm that and just uh, we could put that in the session notes yeah. too, just for anyone this listening to this post uh, post event. Yeah, um, I, I wanted to. Go back to message recall just for a quick second here, and and, and I guess just um, clarify, uh, because this is all within the service, right? Presumably, messages that break out of the service, either to an on-premises, you know, hybrid ex exchange environment or some other third party, those are still going to be out of you know um, the purview of, of message recall. But right? you can't send someone who's on a domino infrastructure somewhere else on the other side of the world and message and expect that that's still going to be recalled because yeah. we're doing it within the transport stack, correct? That is correct. Okay, cool. Just yeah. I wanted yeah. to kind of, I guess, ask the question so that should make Once the clarification. Once it's gone, it's gone. Once it's gone, it's gone, yeah. right? So you got to make sure before you... So I actually, um, I have a, a teammate of mine, uh, one of our, our senior um, program managers at my company. He has this thing, he has a, a rule in his out in Outlook where he delays send by one minute for everything mm, he yes. sends. Yes, right. I call it the, oh, uh, <laughs> well, I can't really say that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Oh, no. The the oh, no rule, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Quite what honestly, it. it's one of the smartest things. Now, I don't, yeah. I don't personally do it. There have been several times where I've gone, damn, I should have done that. Yeah, right. <laughs> but <laughs> I think you it's can't one of the do that on a Mac. Yeah, that's probably also true. I haven't actually yeah, You cannot tried. do that on the Mac? Yeah, you can't do that on a Mac. It's, uh, oh. it's you can? No, you no can't. No inbox rule uh, capabilities there? Well, you can't set up the rule with an Outlook for Mac. Oh. I've tried. Really? Well, the okay. first time I saw this, was like, oh, this could have saved my life a few times. Yes. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> let me do that. Uh, no, it's not in my wizard. Sorry. Oh, okay. I just discovered, I admit, I didn't know this until yesterday. Someone enlightened me that apparently you can do it with OA. Uh, Outlook on the web, a.k.a. OA. Um, yeah, there's a f they call it, I think, delayed send. You know, of course, it's a standard descriptive statement because you know the trademark police at Microsoft would be like, do not use anything fanciful like Zap or anything because <laughs> that would take like dollars to you know trademark across the world, right? Right, right. So right. anyway, they've got they apparently have that. So. I, I just feel like I, I I think it's one of the smartest things you can do, right? Because inevitably, and I, I think Outlook over the years has gotten smarter at going. You know, please see attachment in line or, 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 you know, attachment to the email. And, and no then when you click send, uh, you know, back in the day you needed a, an add-on to be able to do that. And Outlook kind of has gotten smarter to be able to figure that out. But inevitably you still say something uh, either that you wish you hadn't or you, you know, for whatever reason, it's you want to come back and, and attach stuff. So that's uh, super smart. But very excited to see the, uh, the new message recall feature in action. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of it's behind the scenes, so you don't yeah. get to see much. Yeah. But in addition to actually improving the recall itself, one of the other annoying things about message recall 
uh, is that right now, uh, you know, all, all, all kudos to my Outlook colleagues, uh, you know, in a good way, that, they s that what will happen is for each recipient, you'll get a single email notification back telling you whether it failed or succeeded for them. You know, and that's not bad if you got like 10. Mm -hmm. But if you get more than 10, now you've got like all these different individual <laughs> emails and you're just looking for those top five people that you care most about like, oh no, oh no, yep. I need to know about them. Yep. What are you, and it's very unwieldy. And so one of the things that yeah, Transport, a plumbing team is doing is we're building, we built a report that basically is an aggregate report that just kind of shows you, digest. hey, here are all the people that have, for whom it's recalled, here for whom it's pending, and yep. here's for whom it's failed that you need to go grovel to. You know, and <laughs> right now we're kind of going through a bunch of naming conventions for like, well, what do we say in the details? Like, oh, you're totally screwed, buddy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> for each one of these guys, right? Yeah, yeah. you're really host. Do, right? do a look up, you know, any, uh, an org uh, look up to see whether that that's person right. is, that's is right. Yeah, CVP, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, you're you're toast, man. <laughs> you better start checking your resume. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the oh no what yeah, fair enough. Um, that, I mean, you know, I think that's again, it just speaks to the fact that innovation continues to ha to continues to happen even for stuff that is exactly. really seen as as you know plumbing, right? Yeah. So that's 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 super exciting. Uh, anything else that you're you know you, you can share with us around um, new features or, or functionality? Before we, we go down new features, I have a yeah. question. Okay. Yeah. Can you tell us about numbers? So the 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 numbers in cloud are often staggering. Oh people don't appreciate yeah. the uh, and coming back to transport and uh, when we were still building exchange servers on premises the kind of mail volume that we could handle on premises was staggering you know uh, large customers or even small customers having a, a medium-sized customer who would process several million messages a day was pretty normal because it, exchange was just so good at doing it so what can you tell us about what happens in cloud in terms of volume and numbers? Yeah, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that uh, uh, because I tend to remember the numbers like when we started more than the numbers now because the numbers now are just like, yeah, whatever, it's another billion. It's like the McDonald's sign, you know, yeah. 30 billion serve type of thing at that point. But I remember about, you know, eight years ago uh, when we, when we on a monthly basis, I would deliver to our our, our, our vice president, uh, Rajesh Jha at the time, and, and still is, uh, uh, for the overall organization um, for entertainment, or for um, um, the E&D Entertainment and Devices uh, group. Uh, no, not entertainment. What's the E stand for? I can't even remember. Enterprise. Enterprise. Enterprise, thank you. Of course it's Enterprise. Enterprise Entertainment It's pretty close. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, right? I was like, that can't be right. Um, but anyway, you know, we used to go, Oh, we hit a milestone. We did 500,000 messages this month, you know, for, yay. And when we hit a million, it was like, wow, you know. And it took us like a year to get there or whatever. But now it's just like, you know, that's like what, uh, every minute practically. I mean, I can't tell you the exact numbers and I apologize, I don't have that, but you know, we can, I'll look it up and you can write it in or whatever in the notes. But it's it's billions, like 20, 30 billion or something like that. A day. You know, it's just astronomical, really. I mean, and the thing about it is, is that everything is designed in such a way that it doesn't, you know, we, we are basically just, we just add more servers now, right? I mean, that's all we're doing in terms of to be able to handle the scale. And so it doesn't, you know, we're optimizing, we continue, I mean, the teams are doing incredible work to like just continue to get the most out of each and every machine, you know, and, and still have, make sure that it's performant. But, we, you know, we just keep adding more machines and everything just scales lovingly, um, you know, so we, you know, end up going in 
into the data center and now we've got like where we used to have like two or three different data uh, forests that we used to log into to do things. Now it's like, I don't know, 50, 60, and it doesn't matter because they're all basically the same, mm. which is fantastic, mm. right? So the volumes are, 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 are really astronomical and they actually provide us a lot of things that help to empower new capabilities as well. One of the things is that, uh, that I was uh, thinking about was because of that scale and that we're able to sort of get the telemetry for you know, massive numbers of companies who are doing things, one of the things that we've recognized is uh, uh, there's, a thing, there's a phenomenon called the reply all mail storm. And um, the reply all mail storm, I, I tell the story, and I don't want to give it all away, but I tell the story of Bedlam DL3 <laughs> from 1997 <laughs> in my session later today. Um, and basically, that was kind of like the first big reply all mail storm where somebody says, hey, I don't want to be on this DL anymore, or take me off of this, whatever. And other people start chiming in, yeah, take me off too, I don't want to be on it, and yeah, me too. And then you know, other people start chiming in, the heroes start chiming in saying, hey, don't be sending mail like that, you know, it's going to take down the service, or something like that, right? And of course they use reply all mail just like everybody else no, does so to do it, yes. right? Yep. <laughs> and, and it just cascades, and um, you know, it, it, it ends up being problematic potentially for, for organizations. And uh, back in 97, it took down the exchange for Microsoft basically, right? Uh, uh, and mail was down for, for, for hours <coughs> through for the whole day, even if you weren't on that DL. Um, you know, so it was like 195 gigabytes of data generated in an hour. It was, uh, what was it, 16 million, I think, messages uh, generated in an hour. So that pretty much was like, wow, the first big reply on Mailstorm, it hit the press and the papers and everybody knew about it. And you know, Exchange did a bunch of things at the time to help mitigate those things in the future. Um, but where we come now to the present is, so while there had been some things like uh, sender permissions, DL sender permissions, and recipient limits that were introduced back then, those certainly help to mitigate, but they do require some uh, 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 people some you know, to go in and do some settings and whatnot. So people are still running into reply all mail storms. And now, because of the scale of the service, we can detect that. We can detect, oh look, these different organizations, yeah, that's a reply all mail storm, certainly, just by the pattern of of the mail distribution over time, and we can see it, you know, kind of accelerate, you know, uh, uh, and grow like over an hour, and then it kind of diminishes. And then as the sun turns, and it's a large organization, they usually have someone else in another country where we <laughs> see it come up again, right? So we've been able to detect these patterns and be able to assess and say, look, let's do something about this. So we can take those patterns that we've detected, kind of bake them into a feature that we call reply all storm protection. And when we detect that a reply all storm is likely happening, we will, or about to, we'll put a kibosh on it, basically not allow people to reply all anymore, and we'll send them an NDR saying, don't use reply all. <laughs> Come on people, right, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. at the end of the day. And we'll, that'll be temporary, like a couple hours worth. Cool down period, because humans are humans. It's like an itchy you got to scratch. You can't help but do a reply all, and people are not going to change, right? Yep. So yep. let's help them, you know, help themselves in the organization. And so that's another thing. But again, that's something that we're doing. Long-standing issue, but now we have new capabilities, new possibilities that are being empowered by the cloud, and let's take advantage of that and start taking care of some of these things. You know, yeah, kind of wiping them I, off. I, the you know, so for anyone listening who doesn't or isn't familiar with the Bedlam DL3 story. 
Uh, it's very well written up on tech community at the moment. I will put a link in the in the show notes because it's when you read that, it's I, I find it fascinating. I was just reading it just recently again because uh, we had a situation uh, at our company where something like that happened. Some some intern sent um, an email to you know. I inadvertently sent it to a very large bunch of DLs and everyone on the DLs were like, well, I don't need... And, yeah. and, and, and as you said, yeah. right, yeah. you know, the higher up the chain the replies come from, those folks are also doing a reply or to say, please don't do the reply or... It, it, so I had to set up an inbox rule to just go anything with that subject, just sh- shove it in. I have a folder in my inbox now called Storm with like thousands of emails in it just because I needed to just clear up the, the, the garbage, right? So I definitely want to make sure... I, I'm going to put that uh, link up um, in the show notes to that. It's a, it's fascinating. It's amazing that it can still happen. Yes. Can you tell us about AI? You know, it's the year of AI. It, oh, you know, I've heard of AI. I, I, you know, those acron- the acronym is, is, is known to me, but what is AI at heart? So can I t- uh, tell you about AI? Well, certainly, yeah, th- all throughout Microsoft, AI and machine learning is certainly something that's uh, um, you know, being looked at uh, for how it can drive innovation and how it can drive you know, more productivity and things for, for businesses and throughout all of our, all of our offerings. Uh, so in AI, because you know, we are a platform, uh, the transport team being platform, we are taking a look at different uh, types of AI capability. So for example, even when I talk about reply all storm protection, right? This is a journey. We're starting very sim- you know, relatively simply with uh, you know, some basic uh, pattern recognition for what we're doing here. But we expect that we will expand on that using some you know, machine learning and, and AI capabilities to better detect those patterns more intelligently than what we'll do to start. You know, so uh, I, I think what we're doing is great and it's going to add you know, some significant value, but certainly AI is something that, uh, that we're looking at, you know, not only for features, of course, but also for intelligently, uh, you know, uh, optimizing our routing capabilities throughout the service in particular. Um, can't really talk much about, you know, what any more specifically than that, mm-hmm. but absolutely AI is something that, um, you know, is, is, is weaving its way throughout uh, the heart and blood of the service in, in a lot of different ways. Interesting. Yeah. I, I look forward to kind of seeing more or hearing more about that in future because I think being able to take, I mean, at the end of the day too, Microsoft has such a massive amount of, of uh, signals, right, from that coming exactly. out of the service from all sorts of things. And, I, and I'm sure there's, there's stuff that potentially could be harnessed today that you y'all haven't even thought about harnessing, right? So the journey on this uh, is going to be very fascinating for years to come. Yeah, there is a very s- significant strategic, uh, in our organization uh, for Exchange, uh, there's a very strategic move to develop this, um, um, you know, uh, uh, you might call it an, a signal bus, right? Right. Uh, where we do have exactly what you're saying, right? There are all these different signals, and I had alluded to some of them earlier when I talked about the Mailflow insights, right? So there are all these potential signals that are traveling through this bus, this information bus, and now it's a matter of like, you know, how do we take AI, for example, and you know, start correlating some of these different signals in interesting and intelligent ways to offer, you know, to either automate processes and responses you know, to things when they do occur for an organization's email or uh, you know, calendaring or whatever it may be. Um, you know, but there's this strategic uh, push and we are part of that team. I mean, you know, we're transport, but we're part of that kind of information bus team. Uh, so 
it's 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 being built. Uh, we're 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 um, you know kind of figuring out exactly how this is all going to work, and things are starting to come together where a lot of different folks uh, throughout the, uh, the the team are you know building upon that and starting to develop new things, and we're going to definitely be doing more of that too. So, yeah, I, I, I think you're right on. Uh, uh, slightly out there question, but um, given the the plumbing nature, right, of, of transport. Uh, are you guys referred to as exchange transport, or is it just transport? Because this, you know, transport really is being used by every service in the, or ev you know, every workload in the service at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's interesting because it, we are internally, yeah, we just call ourselves the transport team, mm -hmm. exchange transport, exchange online transport, Office 365 transport. You know, there's a term we refer to as, you know, substrate. And so, you know, we're substrate transport, uh, you know, so, uh, at the end of the day, we just kind of go by transport. Gotcha. Uh, uh, but to your point, yeah, that pipeline is providing, um, um, you know, kind of the the circulatory system for all kinds of signals, um, you know, that are percolating throughout that substrate um, information bus. And so we're, we're largely responsible for keeping that flowing and making sure that those signals can get exposed appropriately in the different endpoints uh, available to the different teams to build on. Okay, well, thank you. Yeah, I, I, Warren alluded to this yesterday. We were talking about uh, the fact that just almost, almost everything sends an email these days, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so everything sends an email. Yeah. I just, I'm. There's you know, a number I you mentioned yesterday, Warren. So interrupt you. 150 million. 150 million what? People. People. Yes. Yes. 150 million people. Yes. Yes. On Office 365. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. the 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 things that we we take for granted because they just work yeah. actually enables 150 million people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, millions of mailboxes in But the I think cloud. the scary thing is how it runs. Right. I mean, so that's billions of emails, right? Billions. Billions, billions a day. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. if you have to think about how many servers that is, right? So Obviously, you've got different layers to transport, right? So you've got your SMT piece, and then, or then you've got your antivirus piece, and then you've got your routing piece, and all those bits and pieces. Then you've got the indexing piece, or the storage piece, or whatever the case may be. Is <laughs> how do they all work together? Do you know <laughs> what I'm saying? And then how often does something go wrong? And how long does it take to apply a new feature and let it go? Um, you know, those are the types of questions that you know excite me. It's like, you know. How often do you roll out an update? It's like once oh, every Oh, you know, weeks. that's just it with the service, right? I mean, it's a very different than the on-prem world, of course, where everything would roll up, you know, according yeah. to a set schedule, you know, once, what, every six months at best in terms of a patch or something like that. You know, but now there's, there's a new update going out every day practically, right? Every day. I mean, it doesn't mean that every team has like, you know, piled onto that yeah. particular build. No, 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 sure. Right? Understood, but, yeah. you know, and when I say every day, I mean, that's, probably not exactly correct in terms of new updates, but uh, a on a weekly basis, a there's definitely like a new set of updates that are that are rolling out, a new build that's rolling out every every week, which, you know, on the one hand is great because it adds, you know, it makes for very agile, flexible, fast deployment of new features because that's really what we're trying to get to. Mm. But of course, the challenge of that is like, how do you do that in a way that you don't destabilize the system every time, you know, you go out there or potentially destabilize it? Yeah. So, and I think the service maturity over those last eight, nine years or so, you know, we've come a long way towards uh, 
finding that right balance between um, you know, destabilization, between potentially destabilizing the system and adding new features. And when we do, you know, and when one of the things we bake in is like, hey look, we're not going to be able to know every time, ahead of time, that there's a risk of something happening. Mm. So we have to use that in and of itself as part of the deployment you know, and, and quality assurance or testing procedures. So we have a system of rings, yes. right? And mm -hmm. so you know, the first ring goes out to a much smaller people, group of people, those of us who are on exchange, uh, you know, on the exchange team, right? The dog food ring, if you will. And then after that ring, it rolls out to, you know, uh, to MSIT, the, the Microsoft internal throughout, and then it rolls out to another ring. So we have these multiple rings, and the notion is, is that you know, each ring gives an, affords an opportunity to find a bug. And what's great about it is that we usually do. Before we end up, before we reach the ring that starts going out to customers, you know, a good 90 plus percent of the time, we will find most things. Those of us who actually, you know, each of the engineering teams, we end up going on call like 24 by seven, if you will, where uh, if something goes wrong in the service, our monitors, our alerts, you know, pop up, they page us, right? And it, there used to, it used to be great because Rajesh Jaws voice, our, our, our CVP, you know, he used to come on and go, you know, this is an emergency, you know, of the Exchange Online service. You're Amazing. responsible to go fix this. And when you hear Rajesh say something like that, you Rajesh say something like that, you're like, oh my okay, gosh, okay, okay, right? <laughs> I'm getting there, right? So you'll you'll pop up and, and, and take care of that. But usually, oftentimes, you know, when something goes wrong, it's in those inner rings before it hits customers. Yeah. And we go take it, and sometimes we'll have to like say, stop a build, right? Um, you know, and roll that build back, get the fix in, and, and, and go out. So that has improved tremendously, and it's improved the uh, reliability of the service uh, with m minimal impact overall, I think, to customers. So, you know, again, the service maturity, we've been doing this quite a while now, and we're getting there, and it's, there's still improvements, but it's uh, come a long way. And that's part of how we're able to handle that large scale, Jeez. right? It still boggles my mind, because, yeah. like, imagine the, what the data center looks like. All those thousands of servers. How do you know which one's causing the problem? Eject <laughs> the CD-ROM and walk down the rack. <laughs> we, Nick and I worked on a project together like oh man, 15 odd years ago. And uh, this particular customer had an underground data center that the, it was just miles of just the same white HP server, right? And inevitably, the servers get mislabeled or the labels of the servers oh. fall oh. off. I know which story. You remember that? So you'd, you'd end up going, okay, well, we have to replace a drive on the, the server. No, well, it, that happened, I'll right? And it. so the, the way that, that we would resolve that problem is you'd get someone to walk up and down the rack and you'd eject the CD-ROM. Yes. And then you'd be like, find the server with the ejected CD-ROM. <laughs> and then that was, na then you knew. You for sure. they never had those lights. The UID lights. No, well, yeah. they, back then, no, probably no. not. Uh, so, anyway, that's, that's also cool. the <laughs> the answer to your wider question about how this all integrates is uh, is three days yeah. with Brian Reed. Yes, 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 three days yes. With Brian Reed. And and that's where where we learned how amazing transport is. We just take it for granted, right? Port twenty five, TCP twenty five. RFC 82, 821, stuff just works, right? <laughs> the stuff that's under the hood, the things like shadow transport as, as part of a DAG set, how DAGs bug check themselves or blue screen themselves in order to take themselves out of rotation based on instability, bare metal hardware, the, the nine disk configuration, and the stuff just works. works. And th there's a lot to be said about um, the preferred architecture in that instance, right? You well, know, that's what comes th from. Th there's, a, there's a reason for the preferred architecture, and, 
it, you know, we've, I see very few customers building on-premises environments these days, but inevitably those ones who are just don't get it or ignore the PA because they feel like some vendor that sells virtualization software or hardware or whatever has told them, you know, you know something else, right? And, and, and it's a very difficult conversation to be like, look, the end of the day, who are you going to trust? The guy trying to sell you something, yeah. or the software vendor that you've you know invested in, and um, who runs this at the scale of 150 million, right? It's a lot. Yeah, it's insane. So we coming up towards the the top of the show. We'd like to ask you, how would you like to be found on socials Do if people want to reach found? out to you? <laughs> yeah, and there's always always an option, right? If you don't want to be found. Um, but if you've got a, a Twitter or LinkedIn yeah. or even direct email address that you'd like to communicate, um, home address, bank details, we'll take all of those. Sure, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Uh, or yeah. any, if there's a feedback loop or feedback, anything that you know, if the, yeah, the listeners no, can do to get in touch. Email I think is fine. You know, um, I'm on uh, uh, LinkedIn and on Twitter. Uh, you know, my LinkedIn is pretty obfuscated, though. I don't think I have a picture up there yet. So uh, similar with, with, with Twitter. Yeah, I don't, right? You know, uh, well, you know, I'm so horrible photogenic I don't really understand you know why I don't just like grab you know from the vast array of photos that I have of myself <laughs> scrolling through is there one no I can't find one forget it man I'm just like you know um, so yeah I, I don't have that but uh, you know email uh, really is probably the best and uh, you know easy enough most Microsoft you know the pattern is Kevin.Shaughnessy at Microsoft.com that's probably the easiest to remember or Kevin SHA at Microsoft.com. Yeah, and I'm totally open to, uh, to, 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 to that. That works fine for me. Because honestly, I mean, I'm an email guy. I don't yeah. really spend a lot of time on social. I was just telling one of my colleagues who was like, well, you know, that information I did put up on our Teams channel and, you know, more power to Teams. think they're doing great stuff. I love it. But I'm like, I'm still kind of an email yeah. guy. So sorry. Can you send me an email? Yeah. You're a purist. Yeah. Yeah. A purist. Yep. It's not the first time we've heard that one out of the exchange team. Yeah, I, I, no, well, I, I'll say, I'll say just there a are. Just a quick stat. I'm sorry. Real quick stat. I just want to say that the rumors of the death of email have been greatly exaggerated. 62% of businesses and, 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 and professionals in some recent research uh, that I was looking at, say they still prefer email for their business communications. Mm. And delivered emails, the volume is expected to grow about 18% yeah. in the Email's next three nowhere. years. Yeah, I just don't think it's going anywhere anywhere soon. It's going to be around, and I love it. It's you know, it's what captivated me when I first came to Microsoft mm. was email. That was when I first discovered email, and it's like this is brilliant, you know. And then uh, different people were like, yeah, you really need to tone down <laughs> a little bit, you know, about your over-enthusiasm of email. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm there. I mean, I've been, I've been working in email for 20 years. I, I, I see that there's the change in workforce, you know, is yeah. going to bring about different ways of working. Mm. Yeah. But I very much feel like it's like with the old postal system, right? The postal system's still around. Yes, the reason for it being around is a little different to where it originally started. Right. It's now an Amazon it's delivery mechanism. Correct. It's substrate. But I feel like that's, that's kind of, you know, I, I, I myself, I'm a, I'm a massive fan of email. I always have been. And, you know, I, I can't imagine a day where I don't use email on a daily basis. Do you know what I mean? It just doesn't. Yeah. I know there are a lot of people who are saying, oh, I work exclusively in Teams now. Like, do you really, you receive any, like a meeting request for something, that's going to come through email yeah. or, or, or things like that. So I yeah. think so. The second question is, what would you like to plug? Is there an aka.ms? Is there something on docs that you'd like to call out or tech community? Oh, good question. Um, 
You know, I, I, nothing really pops to mind other than um, because we're going to be talking about the, oh, well, the blog post, the ELO, uh, our, our blog. That's actually probably the best because actually that's where the most refreshed and fre or fresh information is posted. Uh, and there's a ton of great stuff up there, including a blog post that I just, uh, that's going out live today that talks about the different features uh, that uh, we're showcasing in our session today. So ELO, uh, gee, I can't remember the URL. I'm horrible about that sort of thing. I apologize, but just look for E-H-L-O. E uh, you had me at E-H-L-O, yeah. uh, an old reference that a lot of my colleagues nowadays have like no clue what that's about. Yeah. And yeah. I can't believe how many people I'm having to tell that story to yeah. about what that refers to. I'm like, man, I'm getting old, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but at least we're not doing squeaky lobster again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Thanks guys, I really yeah. appreciate yeah. it. Thank you, thank you. Thanks thank you. for coming on the show. Yeah. That was awesome. Thank you. Hey everyone, before you go, we just wanted to say thank you for listening. We really enjoy putting this podcast together for you every two weeks. Please visit us at thearchitects.cloud or alternatively drop us a tweet. We'd love to hear what you have to say. At the Cloud Arc.